Blog Talk Radio. The Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show. The Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show. Your hosts are here for the show tonight to interview our special guest. A show highlight, the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show, the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show, football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, boxing, tennis, golf, story. Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show, the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show, tune in for all the news and scores, reporting on the games, and so much more, the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show, the Allen and Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Podcast presented by Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. So delicious and addicting, you may need a support group. It is Friday, May 19th, 2023, and we are excited to be back here live. Uh, most of us are back in the state of Florida. Uh, Alan, welcome back to uh, to the Sunshine State. It got nice and hot while you were gone, so uh, certainly uh, glad that you're back. Uh, hopefully well-rested, ready for our show here this evening. Yes, I'm glad to be back as well, safe and sound. Yeah, I feel like I did a long journey, and now I'm back. And I'm ready to go ahead and let you guys know all about it on the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. Definitely have a lot of great topics to get to here tonight uh, as we are you know, approaching actually the end of May. Hard to believe we're that far into this year already. Uh, a lot of good topics to discuss here tonight. Among them, obviously, we're in the thick of the Major League Baseball season. We're almost at the one-third mark, uh, the uh, end of this month will mark uh, the one-third mark of the regular season. Uh, Indianapolis 500 is uh, just a little more than a week away. Of course, that's a big, big event that happens every Memorial Day. Of course, up there in uh, in Indianapolis at the Brickyard. Uh, obviously, Alan's going to give us a lot of information uh, here tonight about his uh, journey uh, back from Texas, and of course, all the neat things he saw while he was there. Uh, we talked a little bit about that last week. He's got more to get to, of course, and looking into 2024, what the XFL has ahead for us uh, as well, as well. Tonight we'll go about the uh, NBA playoffs, some of the coaching changes that have started to uh, take place there as well, and then we're going to have some um, some discussion about things that are maybe a little bit off the field sports-wise. That'll happen a little bit later on in the show. So, uh, But before we get into all that here tonight, uh, our good buddy from up there in New York, New Jersey, it is the uh, the famous Lou is joining us here tonight on the Allen and Aaron Talk Podcast. Good evening, uh, Lou. How are you? All right. Okay, well, I thought April was a busy month of sports. Well, May is just as busy. 
mean, look, you got the NHL, NBA playoffs. You got the you got the uh, the Kentucky Derby, the Freakness. Uh, WNBA is is now in, is in session. So it's been a pretty big. Oh, and uh, the uh, PGA Golf Championship too. So it's been a pretty busy month. Good to it be has busy. been. It has. We have something to talk about. So. <laughs> yeah, it has been. It, and you know that's the thing. Around this time of the year, things start to kind of kind of overlap a little bit without yeah. NFL football. But there's a lot going on now, and the weather's hot. How's the weather by you? Miserable. <laughs> or, I mean, we had a little bit of summer, but now it's turning like fall. Already? Some rain tomorrow. Yeah. And it's supposed What's to get the- some pretty good rain tomorrow. So, uh, what's the temperature it? like? Um, I don't think we got above sixty today. Okay, all right. So it's still a little cool, but it's getting yeah. getting there. Yes. Yeah. So definitely, there's a lot going on. What are you most excited about around this time of the year? Well, of course, I've been following the playoffs, both NBA and the NHL, and it's down to the final one out for both teams. And although I'm not much of a fan for the Miami Heat, yeah, I got to give credit for his due. They have pulled off some pretty amazing games, you know, since the start of the playoffs, thanks to one, say, Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Jimmy Butler's been playing outstanding. I mean, he's definitely stepped up. I think the playoff experience that he's had in the past, too, has really helped him out this time around, yeah. and he's he's really carrying his team. He has a little bit too much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'll be honest. I thought once that Bo was coming back, I didn't think the Knicks were got much of a chance. I mean, because you know, I think uh, Bo was, I think, like the uh, second version of uh, Reggie Miller. Ooh. Did I say that? Wow. So that's a, that's that's some big shoes. It means he's automatic. Yeah, you can say that. And by the way, that was a great documentary. If you guys ever want to watch on Reggie Miller on Netflix, it, it was a definitely a great watch, and you get a chance to see a lot of stuff behind the scenes. But Reggie Miller is a great player. Yeah. Yeah, one of the greatest three-point shooters of all time. Always uh, very clutch, very automatic, like you were saying there very before, cool. Alan. I really enjoyed watching him play, and I think he would have probably, had he not played in the era that he played in with, you know, Jordan and and uh, you know some of the other stars that were playing at that time, I think Reggie Miller may have been a bigger name than he was. I mean, he was a big name as it was anyways, but I think he would have been an even bigger name uh, than he was. Well, he, he had a chance when um, when Jordan stepped out for that fake retirement, but uh, you know. Yeah, and I'll definitely later in the show I'm going to talk about why it's it's important if you're facing someone why you don't want to give them extra motivation to beat you. And Reggie Miller is a classic example of that. There's a lot of to unpack with that that I'll discuss a bit later in our show. Well, of course, I think there was another defining moment with um, Miller versus uh, Jordan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I mean that that was definitely. No, no, you you're, you're missing one. <laughs> you're missing a moment. You don't. Oh, you guys will be oh, young. The, That's right. The chokehold? 
Nope, 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 nope. Jordan shot rimming out. I'm trying to remember okay. which one you're talking about. Okay, I, I know which one you're talking about. Where he, his shot kind of rimmed out. Yep. And yeah, they had some great matchups, though. I tell you, I have to tell you that much. Reggie Miller and Jordan. Yeah. I'd like to see, you know, obviously this can't happen, but Reggie Miller, if he was playing today, his same exact talent level that he had 20, 25 years ago in today's NBA, I think he'd be one of the best best players in the league. Um, very, very underrated, and I think probably very underappreciated. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that he played yeah. in Indiana. Had he played in New York, had he played in L.A., had he even played in Chicago, I think he would have been uh, talked about a lot differently. Um, but de- definitely a very fun player to watch, and yeah. definitely I, now, I would say mean, top top ten at, at, in his era. Now you mean LA? You do mean the Lakers, right? Not the Cutups. Yeah, definitely not the not the uh, the other LA team, but yeah, the Lakers for right, sure. Right. I think had he had he played there, and he would have been a good fit, I think, in LA too. I think he had the I think he had the personality for it. Um, yeah, and of course the skill as well, and he would have been very well marketed. I think that's the biggest thing when a guy goes to, to the Lakers is, you know, the Lakers obviously have a history of big personality guys. You think back to, you know, Kareem and, and Magic and, of course, uh, Shaq yeah. going there in the mid-90s. And, of course, you know, Kobe comes along. And then, of course, now we've got LeBron there. Um, it's a great place. If, if you're just there to market, you know, you're going to do really well. So you would have been a yeah. perfect fit, I think, for, Speaking for Los Speaking of personalities in the sports world, we lost another one yesterday. Yeah, and definitely we're going to go Brown. ahead and and talk about Jim Brown, too, on this show and pay tribute to Jim Brown. And, yeah, that is just a, a legend, both on and off the field, is where I would put Jim Brown in. And definitely he's going to be a guy that's going to be missed. You know, the only silver lining, it does seem like he's, he, from what I could see, he, he definitely lived a full life. So may he rest in peace and rest in heaven. But Jim Brown is something that people may not realize, even though I watched a lot of his, you know, appearances in movies. One fact that came up was that he's the only rusher that has rushed an average over a hundred yards. That is, yep. that is remarkable. That's, that's and fantastic. And in his career, he never missed a game. Yeah. And, He's got a beautiful autograph that, you know, you could tell he's old school because he has a beautiful autograph. He doesn't do the chicken scratches that a lot of the young guys do. It's a beautiful, beautiful autograph. You can read it clear as day. Yeah. And it, this is a, a gentleman that really embodied football and making an impact both on and off the field. That's what I look at at Jim Brown is that this guy gave every effort he can on and off the field. He enjoyed life. He did things his way. But he also was a person who would speak out on political you know, disagreements and things that he – civil rights that he didn't agree with. A lot of time when people get yeah. celebrity status, they stay away from that just because they don't want to ruin their brand or ruin their potential of getting money. But if you right. believe in something, if you believe in something hard enough, you'll, you'll stand by it or against it, whatever it is. Exactly. But what are your thoughts on Jim Brown? Well, I didn't get a chance to see him play, you know, 
been when he is this one year, but you know, I was looking at the stats and when I you know, what a career he's had and you know, just like, you know, a great all around great all around guy uh, to begin with. All right, he had some controversial moments. Um his career, you know, also uh, supporting uh, Ali for uh, dodging the draft in the 60s and whatnot for the organization. But he also, you know, was very helpful in trying to uh, prevent violence, uh, gangs in, in the youth and whatnot. So he was, you know, kind of like a humanitarian uh, as well, the way I see it. Or trying to, you know. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. What are your thoughts, too, Aaron? Like absolutely. Well, I mean, this is all. I would say he's a, almost a larger-than-life individual. Um, you think about great running backs in the history of the NFL, and, you know, we think more uh, more in a, a recent time. You think about Emmitt Smith. You think about LaDainian Tomlinson and, of course, Barry Sanders. This was one of the guys. He was one of the, the forefathers, if you will, of the running game. Um, they yeah, didn't yeah. build – they don't build running backs like Jim Brown anymore. There's very few and far between. Um Nowadays, you think about you have a, a, a back for first down, you have a back for second down, you have a back for short yardage situations and, you know, uh, long game type of situations. Jim Brown was the all-around, all of those uh, in one, and uh, an icon really in the NFL uh, way before anybody else at that level played. So I, I, I think that, um, you know, you, there's some other names that come to mind, not necessarily running backs, but they were icons like him. I, I certainly think of Johnny Unitas, and I think he was on that same status level sure. as somebody like a Johnny Unitas that um, that was larger than life both on and off the field. So Jim Brown will definitely be missed. I, I was, uh, you know, sad when I got that message on my phone here earlier this afternoon. Um, didn't realize he was 87. Uh, he in recent years, yeah, I mean, I hadn't hadn't seen him in a while in public, but you know he always looked like a guy who could still go out there and probably at least bowl a few people over. Um, he stayed in pretty good shape, it seemed like, as he was in his older older years. And uh, obviously, you mentioned the, uh, his uh, involvement in civil rights, uh, Alan. Also, he acted a lot too. He was in some movies. Uh, he was in the A Team back in the eighties, which I don't know about you, but I loved that show, and it was always fun to watch. So. I know he made an appearance or two on there, um, and then uh, he was in a few other movies over the years as well. So he kind of dabbled in a little bit of everything outside of the football uh, side of it, which uh, you know that's kind of a neat thing to do to, to get that opportunity to to um, to show the other side of who you are uh, skill wise. So, um, but he he is the guy. He's the measuring stick, in my opinion, for who you compare yourself to if you're a power running back. He was that kind of a runner and. Um, a hard guy to take down. At the time when he retired, I want to say he was either one of the top two or three backs uh, rushing yards wise when he hung him up uh, way back when. So yeah. Um, obviously now we've seen you know Emmett Smith and, and his eighteen thousand yards or whatever it is he has. So he almost had you know one and a half times the number of yards. But the game has changed so much since Jim Brown left playing. So. Um, yeah, I'll never be broken out, I think. Yeah, he's definitely going to be missed. In fact, what we're going to do is do a moment of silence for the late, great Hall of Fame player, humanitarian legend, Jim Brown. We're going to do a moment of silence for him right now.
All right, that moment of silence was for uh, the late Jim Brown. Of course, uh, the Hall of Fame running back for the Cleveland Browns played his college ball at Syracuse. Uh, he passed away today at age 87 out in Los Angeles. Uh, just a great, great running back. Oh, it was, okay. I, I, the word I got about it was today. So, um, yeah. But, uh, but certainly our condolences to his uh, family and friends and anyone who course knew him over the years he was a very very tough individual um very uh very much uh i think that personality as a running back kind of carried over into his life too which was kind of neat but he was actually a down-to-earth guy when you when you hear him speak in in interviews so um but uh definitely going to be missed there uh obviously he played well before our our lifetimes uh lou i'm not sure i think you said you didn't see him play i, I know i certainly didn't no, know I, I, either. He probably- he retired in 65. I wasn't born until yeah. 70. Okay. So, okay. yeah. But you do pick so, up on stuff later. Yeah, yeah. And one of the idiots of the week this week will be me, Alicante. I made a big mistake last night after uh, <laughs> posting the scores. I uh, did just really, I thought that the uh, <laughs> hockey game was over last night and the first overtime. Little did I know when I woke up this morning, it actually the four overtimes, and believe me, I feel stupid. It, it happens. We, we've we've yeah. done that before here, too, so. <laughs> Speak a little too I soon. I mean, yeah, you know, I turn the yeah. game on overtime, and it's like the goal is scored and everything, and then I find out, like, okay, the old and the crease rule. Okay, here we go again. You know, the sad thing is, though, that, you know, they, they it was to be a score like uh, three minutes in overtime, and you couldn't get another goal score until almost in the going to the fifth overtime. What took you so long? <laughs> good defense? Good defense right there. Offense? Yeah, good good defense. Yeah, good defense right there. A little bit of both probably, or, but yeah. Or bad offense. A little bit of both. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. I think a little bit of both. I mean, you know. You know, I'm thinking, like, okay, well, this game is over. I can put in the scores, and that's it. Early night for me. I find out, wait a second. Uh, what? Okay, how did this happen? And then you don't score until 1.45 a.m. in the morning or so forth. Okay. So, Lou, so what do you got you know, cooking on your show tomorrow? Well, we're going to continue on with that endless game that's still going on right now in the 60s, in the uh, – 20th overtime. Oh, boy. Uh, more of the playoffs. Uh, we'll recap the uh, World Championship. Uh, we'll take bets on the, on the well, predictions on the previous, because that's the second leg of the Triple Crown. Get updates on the PGA Championship. I like if that was in August, for some reason. Curls mm. um, will keep track on, uh, ML, on the uh, MLB season. And um, WWA is back in session, so we'll Take care of that if we have time. And, of course, uh, WWE and UFC. And, of course, our regular features, the ridiculous time of the week, sports trivia, and this week in sports history. So uh, call 512-543-4662 tomorrow between 4 and 6 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, I hope uh, we get get some good callers because I'm going to need it. That's for sure because we got a lot to do. There you go, 512-543-4662, and that's between 4 and 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Zone. And are you doing YouTube as well? We're, always on, we're on YouTube every week. 
Unless okay. there's something wrong with them with the, with the site. On their Enhanced Sports Show. Yes. Remember, yep. go to YouTube and type in the Enhanced Sports Show exactly as it says. There you go. So make sure you tune in tomorrow. Four and six PM Eastern Standard Time Zone. And check out the Enhanced Sports Show with Lou. It's got some great topics there, so it should be a wonderful show. But we definitely appreciate you all the time here, Lou. Thanks. You're very welcome. Uh, and definitely hope uh, it doesn't rain on your parade tomorrow. You have a great day. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Take care. That's our all great right, buddy, our good buddy. Lou. Good buddy Lou there. Absolutely. Glad to have him on. Uh, he was uh, right ready. They're waiting for us this evening, which is always good. So, um he made some good points there, obviously. Uh, and obviously there's a lot of big events coming up here. I've forgotten all about the Preakness uh, coming up here. Um, that's not a, a, not a uh, category we talk about a lot on the show. In fact, I think it's probably the first one that really brought it up is, is horse racing. But that's certainly one of the ones that's very, very popular um, here, um, especially, you know, Kentucky Derby was just a few weeks back. So, um, but Alan, uh, we're, you know, right in the thick of, uh, of, baseball season, but I know the big thing you wanted to talk about tonight was going to be the XFL 2024. What can we look forward to as the season, of course, just ended last week with the championship game. What can we look forward to going forward uh, here um, into 2024? Yeah, a lot of great things are going to be happening with XFL. I'll go over those things. I do want to go ahead and thank the XFL again for giving the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show access media access to the championship game it was a a magnificent experience i was able to talk about it prior to the game on friday and now i've actually got a chance to actually witness the game and give you guys kind of what happened there and then i'll go into the 2024 season but the xfl championship game it pretty much went the way i expected it to go in a way that i felt the arlington renegades won the press conference. I said that also in our show, they clearly won the press conference against the DC defenders where I say they won it is that they were more focused and they were not cocky. They were basically looking and forward to winning this game. Just as I predicted, if the renegades got off to a very good start and they got off to a phenomenal start, they had two scores right away. Everything was kind of working for them in the beginning. I knew that that because of the fact that the, DC defenders were talking a lot of junk. I knew at that point that they were going to put more pressure on the DC defenders because of the fact of them doing so much jaw jacking. And that led to the Arlington Renegades continue to do what they do best. And they basically went ahead and, and did their thing. I felt as if they were a team that basically put out the the they played everything executed the way they wanted to and played out just the way that I predicted it that if if the Arlington got up to a big lead it was going to be tough for the DC defenders emotionally to deal with that and this kind of goes back into what I was telling earlier somebody in the media actually kind of got mad at me because in the press conference when the game was over they I said hey do you feel as if the team was too overconfident And that was the thing that stuck out to me is that you cannot, it's one thing to be confident in your team that you think your team is going to do well. You want to be confident. 
You don't want to be overconfident. Overconfident is basically saying, we're going to beat the other team's bleep. We're going to beat the other team's bleep. That's too much. That's over the top. It's over the top. You put pressure on yourself, and that's the results that you get. There's a song that, I, that came up in the 90s when I was growing up. Punks jump up to get beat down. Punks jump up to get beat down. When you put too much pressure on yourself, these are the things that happen, you know, and they didn't do a good job of, of handling that emotion. That's why you want to stay humble. Had this been a game where they didn't do all that George Akin and just played the game and took their opponent seriously, I feel as if the D.C. defenders would have been able to kind of come back emotionally and mentally from this game. The fact that you were down, you, didn't, you expected to blow this team out. It didn't start off that way, which I predicted. You put too much pressure on yourself, and you end up losing this game. Now, what are your thoughts on that, Aaron? Well, we talked about this last week. I mean, this is one of the key topics of the predictions for the championship game. I don't care if it's the XFL, the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, National Hockey League, college football. You can't put a target on your back. Even if you're the favored team, you can't talk trash like that. Because underdogs, everybody loves the underdog story, I think, for the most part. Unless you're a diehard fan of the team that they're playing against. And you really spoke into existence the other team saying, look, talk all you want. We're going to surprise people. And that's exactly what happened. And it really, other than that last couple of minutes of the game where uh, the DC defenders had a chance to get the ball back and potentially, you know, get a, a quick late score and possibly have a way to tie the game. It was really not a close game. I mean, it really wasn't. So, um, you know, and, and I, I, I meant to bring this up at the very beginning of this XFL discussion, um, watching the very, very end of the game, you know, and seeing everybody rush out onto the field, I looked at my wife and I said, let's look for Alan. He's probably down there somewhere. And lo and behold, about 30 seconds later, I had to, pause, you know, you can pause your TV and go back and play it again. And I said, I think I saw him. I think I saw him. And lo and behold, there you were. And, of course, I took a picture and put it out on the, uh, on the Facebook page for us and everything. And very proud of you, man. That was really a neat neat thing to see there, uh, just to, to, to see that uh, our show, three years after it started, you know, one of us is, uh, is able to be on national television um, and, and, and to be able to talk about it here now. So we can do the bragging. The D.C. Defenders can't do any bragging right now. You and I can, you especially. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly the point. You can talk after the game is won and you celebrate it. Then it's, 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 it, you earn the right, but not before because – you never, ever want to give your opposition more motivation to beat you. It's hard enough to win a championship by itself. I even talked about this in my book, Sell Your Little Heart Out. You never want to give your opposition more motivation to beat you. And I felt as if the D.C. defenders gave plenty of motivation to be, to be beaten. And they never thought that the opponent you were playing had a chance to beat you. I thought for sure the way that the Arlington Renegades were playing down the stretch, there was a good probability they could beat you and you had to take them seriously. Having said that to Aaron's point, I am so proud of the Allen and Aaron sports talk radio show for giving us, you know, for being blessed this opportunity and to be on the field during the championship. That was one thing I really wanted to our listeners is that I've been to the Daytona 500 where the winner and I was in the winner circle 
you don't get connected emotionally when they win as much. You you do see that it's cool to see the the car come in, to see the people on stage, and you got a great angle because you're about 20, 25 feet away, and you're on the same level as them on the stage. It's really cool for pictures and everything, but you don't have that emotional connection to them winning because you're not actually on their platform standing next to them. Watching the Arlington Renegades win that championship, me me being on the field right to the left of when The Rock was speaking, emotionally you felt as if you won that championship. You know, because there was a couple of players that I did interview prior to the game. One of them was Donald Payne Jr., who has extensive football background, including the NFL, a few stints in the NFL, played on the XFL in 2020, and he played in USFL. Check out Donald Payne Jr.'s resume. He is extensive resume. And he said during our interview, which surprised me, on any level, he's never won a ring. So as soon as the game was over, I actually was looking for him when you saw me on TV. And I couldn't find him at that moment, like that melee. He was on the field. I just It was just so many people jumping around and confetti. And I was next to Luis Perez who I got a chance to ask some questions throughout this year. So I was like, let me just interview him and I'll look for Donald later, which I did. And you, you can see the interview on, on our Facebook page and, and Instagram, but man, to be there on the field where team actually wins a championship, where you got the rock there, you got Danny Garcia, you got the confetti. You really felt as if you were part of that championship emotionally and physically. What are your thoughts on, on that, Aaron? Well, I'm sure just to be around that. Now, I'm only able to see it from, you know, the view that the majority of us saw it from. That's on television. So I can't imagine uh, on your end to be right in the thick of it. You're having the confetti fall on your head. You're hearing everybody scream and be happy that they are part of this championship. And then probably seeing also the D.C. defenders slowly walk off the field towards the locker room, you know, with their heads probably, you know, shaking their head moments, uh, you know, thinking they were going to be the team that was going to win because they were record-wise and statistically a lot better team. But we talked about this before. It's not always the best team that wins. You think back uh, 15 or so years ago when the New England Patriots were 16-0 and during the regular season and they, they came up short in the Super Bowl. And it doesn't necessarily always mean that the best team is going to win but the best team won on that particular day. And the same thing is the case here. Um, and, you know, DC didn't, they, they were overconfident. And I'm glad you asked that question. I think those are the kind of questions that, uh, that, you know, I'm certainly sure aren't fun to answer if you're the team that lost, but they're the right questions to ask because they put themselves in that position thinking that they had this thing in the bag when they hadn't played a single minute of the game yet. So, um, but a neat experience. I, I, I definitely am going to do everything I can to be a part of it with you next year. I'm not sure. Have they already announced where next year's game will be played at? That's a great question. They have not announced that yes yet. We do know there's going to be obviously a 2024 season. There was over 58 players since the end of this season till now have been given an opportunity to try out at NFL camps. And there's already been, to my last count, over 11 players who have signed with an NFL team already, meaning they have already went from 
the training camp stage to signing a contract. So that's a phenomenal opportunity. I see a lot of growth in the, in the XFL. One thing I did notice about the rock is, and I did want to bring this up is that the rock talks about player 54 and the fact that he did not get that opportunity and he was player 54. There's 53 players on an NFL roster. He was number 54. So he never got selected. And I, I can kind of still feel that he has that chip on his shoulder and the burden on his shoulder. But you know what? What ends up happening is this. I feel as if that's the stuff of legends. You Okay, yes, maybe you did not get the opportunity to get signed by an NFL team, but you created an opportunity that people who do get signed by NFL teams don't even get a chance to do, and that's to build your own league. And the cool thing about the XFL is that you have Danny Garcia, The Rock, and Jerry Cardinal as the owners. Well, in the NFL, it's cool. It's really cool to be an owner, but you're one of 32. You're one of 32 in a big pond. You're a big fish in a big pond. When you're the XFL, you're a big fish in a, in a very small pond because there's nobody else really competing with you as an owner. So that is even greater. Starting the XFL is built. It's something built of legends. Just because you sign an NFL contract, I hope it does materialize and anybody who does becomes a Hall of Famer, but statistically speaking, that's not going to happen. You just sign an opportunity. An NFL career, like they say, it stands for not for long. There's no guarantees. And if you do sign a contract, that your career is going to be long. So you have a long way to go after you sign a contract, especially if you're trying to be a legend in a game or a Hall of Famer or a GOAT. You have a long way ahead of you. I hope you know players get to that. I think Dwayne Johnson should look at it like, you know what, I'm doing something special here, and we got the XFL. He shouldn't feel so bad about the fact that he did not get personally that opportunity. He creating, he's creating great opportunities for a lot of other players. What are your thought about, thoughts about that? Well, he, he's kind of paving the way. You know, obviously he had the opportunity that didn't ever come for him when he was younger and just played at the uh, University of Miami. And like I said, the 54th player, he never got the opportunity. So now he has this outlet to help other players who may have missed that opportunity themselves, or maybe they get that opportunity in the future. They might get a, they might, they might get their first opportunity from having played in the XFL, or maybe they're getting a second shot playing in the XFL to go back to an NFL team. And the nice thing about this too, you mentioned, um, I think it was 11 players that have already signed an NFL contract. What that now does is that opens up more opportunity for players to come in to the XFL. So it's a cycle through, it's a revolving door to some degree, and it's an ability uh, for, uh, for guys to have a chance that otherwise they would not have had. So um, I think it's a very neat thing, and I'm, I'm glad he's a part of it. Yeah, I am glad he's a part of it, too. And Danny Garcia, definitely, and Jerry Cardinal. That was one surprise. I was surprised. That was one thing that did surprise me was that Jerry Cardinal was not in attendance. It was just too chaotic for me to ask him that question, why he wasn't there. I hope everything's okay with him. But, yeah, Jerry Cardinal, which is the third owner, I know he's more in the background, but I was a little surprised that he was not in attendance at the championship game. The only other thing that did surprise me, too, at the championship game was it wasn't a lot of of rock friends a lot of other vip celebrities 
that were there. Maybe, you know, Kevin Hart or, you know, Jack Black. And, you know, just, I mean, just a few of his friends in Hollywood, you know, just showing up, supporting him. That was mm-hmm. something that did surprise me. That was that was a bit of a surprise. It did not surprise me. It did not sell out in the first year. It 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 is the first year of the XFL. I do expect it to sell out. I've already let it be known, and I'm going to let it be known right now on our show that God willing, I'm looking to be at the 2024 championship game. I mean, I had such a wonderful experience. It was awesome. And I cannot really put it all in words. It was an amazing experience. I, I actually feel as if I won a championship, even though I didn't win one. But it was just it was just so cool to watch the Arlington Renegades, a team that was the underdog, come in there, do their thing, and win a championship game. They had a four and six record and they end up winning it. I mean, that is just the stuff of legends. The guy who quarterback Luis Perez got traded mid-season. He was on another team, the Barama's. And that's how I first met him was when he was doing a press conference. I'm sorry, the, Vi- the Vipers. He was on the Vipers. I beg your pardon. And he got traded mid-season for him to get traded. And then when he got traded, he landed on the inactive list, which means that you cannot play even if you are physically ready to play. And he had to go through those bumps and emotions and and he made it through the other side, and he ended up winning the championship game. He played, saved his best play towards the end of the year. And to your point, Aaron, you're right. It's not always the best team that wins. It's the team that plays the best at the time that wins. That's why you have to stay humble because, you, yes, the D.C. defenders do have more a more talented team than the Arlington Renegades. However, I, we talked about this on Friday night. I felt as if the Arlington Renegades could and very well could win this game. You know, it depends on how you play. And to your point, too, I felt as if the Arlington Renegades dominated this game from start to finish. Yes, the D.C. defenders did have some moments, but if you look at that game, you watch it, the Arlington Renegades, it was their game to lose. The only way that the D.C. defenders were going to get back into this game is if the Arlington Renegades kind of like kind of slid and took things for granted. And I'm glad that they did not take their foot off the gas because if they did, they may have ended up losing the game. But, man, Aaron, I hope that, you know, things work out where we can both be there next year. Are you excited about coming to the championship game? Oh, you know it. Uh, that's I'm, I'm looking to it right now. In fact, I was hoping I could have been in it this year. Obviously, it was very short notice. But I think that uh, that's just kind of how it works. Um, I think next year it'll be a little bit easier for us to, to maybe plan things in advance. Um, definitely looking forward to it. And now that we know there's going to be a second season, I think that it gives us the opportunity to to, uh, to better plan, as I mentioned there before. So um, hopefully it's uh, an area we can get to real easily. I think Texas was probably very neat. I've never been out there before. I think it would have been nice to, to uh, experience that. But, um, you know, really cool that you were able to get out there. And, of course, having to make such a, a quick, long drive, uh, kind of last minute like that, uh, and, and to be able to attend it was really, really cool, really something special there. It really was. I mean, I've never been to San Antonio, and I've never been to Arlington, Texas. I could say I've been to both, and i got to thank the Guardians, the Orlando Guardians, for providing the opportunity for me to actually been to two NFL stadiums, both the Arlington 
you know, the AT&T Stadium, which is the Cowboys Stadium. I got a chance to go to that with a great event with uh, Terrell Buckley and others at the Cotton Bowl Hall of Fame. And then the next day was the media day in the Alamo Dome. Both of them was outstanding experiences. I've been to Texas, but I've never experienced Texas like I did during this championship weekend. It worked out great that I actually drove because I couldn't have made it had I didn't drive. So that was, this, you know, I got to thank God for blessing me with the, with the opportunity and making it so I could attend. And it was just one of those things that kind of went, went the way and we got graced and it was a magnificent, magnificent experience. I did not know that you'd never been to Texas. No, it's uh, in fact, uh, you know, up until last year, the furthest West I'd ever been <laughs> was Minneapolis, Minnesota. So making it out to Denver, Colorado last year, right a little further West, I guess, than that uh, was the furthest West I've ever been, but I've never been that far South going, going to the West. Hopefully at some point I'll be able to get out to Texas. I've, I've heard a lot of good things about it there. So, um, you know, something to look forward to in the future. In fact, maybe on our, uh, our short list of places to head next year. So. Yes, and definitely. And one thing I did want to tell to the all the Orlando Guardians players and fans, I do want to make this clear because I don't want people to kind of get the wrong idea. The only game that I would say that I did not bring my A game was the game game seven. I believe that that was the game after the Orlando Guardians lost, and this loss was after they beat the DC Defenders when they lost that game that basically mathematically eliminated them from the playoffs. I had every intention of going to the championship game around game four. I started making it known I was going at that point. I really felt as if the, the Orlando gardens were going to do what the Arlington renegades were going to do and turn the season around, sneak into the playoff with, with a losing record four and six, and then go on, get hot and win it all. When they did, then when they lost Game Seven and they were mathematically eliminated, I emotionally was like kind of upset because I said, "I'm going to the championship game, and now I know for a fact that one of the two teams that are going is not going to be one of the games, one of the teams I'm covering." So I want people to understand that I had high hopes for the Orlando Guardians to go all the way to the championship game. In fact, I even kind of hinted to the coach a few times, "Hey, if you win these four games and you," run the table on these last four games, you have a chance to go ahead and win it all. They beat the D.C. Defenders, who were undefeated, which means that statistically you beat the number one team. The other teams were not as good. I feel as if, you know, all due respect, the Battlehawks were very good too. I felt as if that was the last game they may have had some trouble. But I felt as if I never quit on the Orlando Guardians. So I just want people to understand that, that I'm blessed that I was able to go to the Orlando, to this championship game. I did not turn my back on the Orlando Guardians. I just don't want people to think that way. No, very, very good point there for sure. Uh, And obviously, you know, next year is going to be a whole new year. So we'll see how things work out for uh, the Orlando franchise next year. I think a different roster will probably certainly be in play and, you know, it's a younger football league, so we don't know how, uh, to this point at least, we don't know how things carry over through the next year. Um, a team who played 
uh, with a poor record, could completely turn it around next year. And you look at DC, they were what, 10 and one, or, or I think uh, nine and one, they might not have such a good record next year with a different roster look uh, of their own. So stay tuned for the 2024 season. I think we'll have a lot of good things to talk about as we uh, approach that, of course, uh, nine or so months from now in 2024. So, so that's uh, our talk here tonight about the XFL and definitely excited about the future there. Um, we are a week and two days away from Memorial Day weekend. Uh, very, very uh, high tradition, of course, uh, with um, you know paying our respects to our, our military and, of course, um, with, uh, with the Indianapolis 500, which has long been one of the great moments in auto racing sports in the United States. It's been around for well over 100 years. Of course, uh, the Brickyard, Indianapolis. That's a place I've never been before. I'm not sure, Alan, have you been there? I've been to the Indy 500 Raceway, and I've been to the museum. I've never actually experienced the Indy 500 going, like watching it as a, as a fan or covering it as a media. But I will say it is beautiful. There's a lot of history there. I loved going to the museum, the IndyCar Museum. That was a great experience. I did put some of the pictures on our, on our Facebook page, but I didn't, I didn't put up a lot of the video, which I have some outstanding video, just because I don't want to kind of rob somebody or cheat the museum. They allow you to do video, but I don't really want to – I feel like it's kind of like cheating the museum a little bit from somebody actually going, if that makes sense. And – you should really go out there, watch, check out the cars, check out the history. They had cars there that was like really cool that were built before the Titanic, you know, 1910 and 1911 and the same year as the Titanic, 1912. So it's a really cool museum, the IndyCar Museum. They were actually doing a race there with some Ferraris that day, not Indy cars. But I definitely need to go out to the IndyCar. I did want to give a shout out to our good friend who was on our show before, Anthony Bristol from Bristol Images, extremely cool. He did tell me today that he is going to the Indy 500. He's covering it, and he's going to supply us with some pictures. So he's a professional photographer. I have a very good camera, but he has an even more macked out camera. And he does, you know, he, he's basically taking his photography to another level. And I can't wait to see some of those images. Though all those images will be from Anthony Bristol, so he he'll he'll share some with us. He's an amazing photographer. He's going there to cover it. He wanted me to go. I kind of had a. It was just it was a little bit too much for me to go with coming back from the XFL. And I know that we could have gotten an opportunity at the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show to go, but maybe next year. But definitely, I appreciate Anthony Bristol doing that for us. What are your thoughts on that, Aaron? Very neat to have a contact like him that, that is able to provide us some of his content, um, which is uh, certainly very neat. And obviously, we saw what he was able to do at Daytona. I remember when we had him on, I think it was the week after the race. It would have been about roughly three months ago. And some of the vantage points that he had being up on the roof. Now, there's a big difference between Daytona and Indianapolis. If you're in Daytona and you're up on that roof, you can pretty much see everything on the track. You're, you're good 100, 150 feet up in the air. Indianapolis is banked differently in the way that the track is designed. 
you don't have as good of a vantage point, even at a high point. Um, you're, you're more localized in terms of what you can see. So it'll be interesting to see some of the photographs that he takes and what angles he is able to see, depending on where he's uh, getting his vantage point from. Um, Indianapolis is just very, I mean, not that Daytona is not, but Indianapolis is uh, very special because, again, it's been around for well over 100 years. Um, they call it the Brickyard because it actually used to be only brick. Now it's just the start finish line that's the bricks. Um, it, it's a, it, it's the most international of all the sports, in my opinion. I mean, we think about baseball, it's very international. Um, guys from all over the world, soccer obviously is a, a very big international sport, but you think about all the people who are coming from, you know, you got drivers from France, you got drivers from, uh, you know, Japan, a lot of people coming or drivers coming from South America. So it's very internationalized, but I really enjoy that because, it's kind of the best of the best from all over the world kind of meeting in one place, a Mecca of racing, if you will. And, um, always has been a tradition. Um, I remember growing up and I'm talking about in the late eighties, early nineties, watching coming home from church, turning on ABC, Paul page is on there, you know, talking about who is, uh, who's the favorite to win the race. It's just kind of something that's running my blood for well over 30 years. And it's always an exciting time to get a chance to, you know, sit down, watch the race. And the neat thing too, in my opinion, is the cars have changed technology-wise so much, even in the last 10 or so years, maybe even really in the last five, and the drivers are so much safer now, Alan, than they were even five or 10 years ago. Now you have the, the roll cage where the driver is actually more, his upper body is more protected than it used to be. Guys used to get pretty badly hurt and some even killed uh, by flying debris or a tire. Um, not that that can't still happen, but they are in a lot safer position now than they used to be. And it's because these cars, the technology has evolved to give them, you know, a more safer uh, way to drive, if you will. So um, very, very much looking forward to it. This is one of the biggest events of the year that I look forward to. It's the Super Bowl, if you will, of IndyCar racing. And it's a lot of fun to watch the coverage, uh, both before and after the race and, of course, the race itself. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It definitely is a really cool event. You know, maybe in the future we'll we'll cover it here at the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. Definitely, it's an awesome thing to do, and we 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 might be racking up some freaking flyer miles because it's been a real blessing. Thank you to all our listeners for providing us these opportunities for your sharers, your listening, your definitely your great comments. None of this is possible without your input, and we definitely appreciate all of you here at the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. Yeah, no, absolutely. If we don't have fans who listen and, and provide us, you know, like you said, feedback and and you know, likes and comments and things of that nature, we have no business doing what we're doing. So uh, we enjoy what we do, but we enjoy it uh, especially more because of the fact that we have listeners out there who who enjoy hearing from us and ask us, Hey, you know, what's the next thing you're going to talk about? I, I get questions quite a bit about who's the next big guest you're going to have. Um, what's the topic on your show tonight? Uh, things along those lines, where can I hear you at? You know, people who have maybe not heard of the show yet. So we want to get the word out there. We want to continue to grow. We have uh, grown immensely just this year alone here on this program. And it's uh, it's a thanks to people who listen. And it's of course a thanks to the guests that we've had as well. Alan, I know, um, already this year, we have, uh, I mean, I don't even know where to start. Obviously, we go back to Coach Spurrier uh, about two months ago up in Gainesville. And, of course, uh, up in Daytona, just uh, about a month before that, we had some really cool opportunities there. So we're going to continue to do that as we move forward. 
and the show is going to continue to get better and better as we uh, as we progress into the future. So, uh, moving on here tonight, uh, we're going to look a little bit at the NBA playoffs, coaching changes, um, and then of course uh, the question that you posed: Do the Lakers and LeBron have any shot down two games to nothing? In their series, we'll start off there, uh, Alan. Since that's the big topic right now, what are your thoughts on where the Lakers are currently, and can they dig themselves out of the hole that they're in? You know, the thing is, it's not over till it's over. But I feel as if that's one thing that LeBron has that Jordan does have. I should say that's one thing that LeBron has that Jordan does not have, and that is that killer instinct. I feel as if. You cannot miss dunks. You cannot kind of like take it halfway serious. Not that LeBron not playing his thing, but when Jordan was in the playoffs, he had that that assassin look in his face, and he, he reacted that way. Jordan would not miss a dunk, an easy dunk. It's just when somebody's got that win-at-all-cost mentality, it shows in their actions. And I feel as if when you miss a dunk, you miss these little things, they add up. I don't think the series is over, but being down 0-2 is not a good thing for the Lakers. I just think that they have to kind of chip away into this. Now you're kind of backs against the wall because if you lose the next game, you're not coming back from 0-3. I'm sorry. You know, there's only one team that did that, and that was the Red Sox against the Yankees. That's not going to happen too often. That's not a recipe that you want to kind of concoct. I feel as if it's possible they could come back and win the series, but I think he's not in a good position. What are your thoughts? No, I agree with you 100%. And my my criticism of LeBron as a player right now would be, are you playing to showboat yourself and your skills, which are becoming diminished at this point in your career, you're almost 40 years old? Or are you playing to win another championship which would be nice for him because I know, you know, obviously he's played three different cities to win another one would certainly be, uh, you know, a very big uh, addition to your resume, if you will. Um, I, I was, I was actually floored with the fact that he missed that dunk. I mean, it was such an easy, um, it should, should have been, no pun intended, it should have been a layup. It should have been a dunk. I mean, I don't know how that happens. Um, just losing focus or, or what the case is, but that seems like, you're absolutely correct. I mean, the comparison's always out there, Jordan versus LeBron, Jordan versus LeBron. Michael Jordan, to my knowledge, and I watched pretty much every minute of his career, never had a moment like that. I mean, that, that's, that's a very – it's not even the fact that they're down two games to none. It's the fact that he missed that dunk that everybody's talking about right now. And, and maybe if they were up two games to none, it wouldn't be talked about as much. I'm sure it probably wouldn't be. But that's pretty embarrassing. It is very embarrassing, and that's the thing. It's I can see if you slammed it and you hit the back of the rim and it went the other way, but you just lost focus. You just lost concentration and focus. And I'm telling you, Michael Jordan's drive to win is so ridiculous that he would have gotten that dunk, and it wouldn't have been, you know, even at the age of where he's at, he would have put that ball in the basket because he understands – how much every single point matters in the, in the NBA. And, you know, I will give LeBron a lot of credit. He, when he's done playing, 
he's going to be on Mount Rushmore, and he has a different legacy than Jordan. But that's one thing that Jordan does have over him is that killer win-it-all-cost mentality. And it showed its rare, his ugly head because that could be the moment that can hurt your team from coming back. You win that game, you still are, you're looking very good. Now you're down 0-2. And again, it's not impossible for you to come back from 0-2, but it's not a good look. The way they're not, playing right now, game. though, it's not going to happen. Yeah, the way they're playing right now, it's, yeah. almost like they've already lost. it's almost like mentally they've already given up. Um, you know, which is uh, sad, you know, call it what you want to call it, but it, it's it's not a good look. And it, it, that can sustain a, le- a legacy. I mean, yes, he's the all-time leading scorer. Yes, he's played in a lot of NBA finals over his career. He's won a few of them here and there. Um, but sometimes those negative things, as minor as they might seem, that can sustain a legacy long-term. Um, and I think that that could have a, a – certainly could have a negative impact long-term on, on how people view him. I think people view him, to me, in, in my experience and people I've spoken with over the years about LeBron, there's not really a whole lot of middle ground on him. You either love him or you hate him. I mean, that, that's, that's really kind of the way it works. There's not, any, there's not really many wishy-washy people out there. Uh, you hear people who are passionate, he's great, uh, or passionate they like him, or passionate they can't stand the guy, he can't, can't stand his play. Nothing really in between, so... Um, something like this, I think, puts the people who are kind of the haters, if you will, more in a more favorable position because now they, they can point to that and say, well, here's another reason why Jordan was a better player. And I would, I would make that argument too. Again, I think you just made it here for me that Michael Jordan would have had that happen. And I think a little bit of it is the mental, like, hey, maybe we're already out of this series. We're, we're out of our league playing in this series that we're in in the first place kind of thing. So. You're exactly right, and that's the biggest thing. It's one thing you miss the dunk, but stuff like that, not only does it impact your legacy, but more importantly, it impacts how the young guys on the team view this championship. If my guy is just missing dunks, it, it kind of sends a message, it's okay if I don't play my 100%. It's okay if we kind of lose this game. You, you, That's the message you're sending, and that's the thing about it is the – you're sending the wrong message to the guys that are on your team. Jordan comes down there with a ferocious dunk, with his hand, his tongue out. You as another play, like, yo, I got to bring up my A game because this guy's coming yeah. to win. There's no doubt about it. Well, and, and I, and I, again, this is my analysis. I'm not saying I'm right about this. I, I'm sure there are people who agree with me, but I think the difference, certainly it's different generations. You know, Michael Jordan is 20, 20 or so years older than LeBron. In fact, Michael Jordan's last year in the NBA 20 years ago was LeBron's first year. That kind of gives you an idea of where the two are age-wise. I always thought the way that Michael Jordan played, he carried himself confidently, and that was why he kind of showed a little bit of cockiness to him. That was just his confidence, kind of like the Hulk, breaking through the shirt and the muscles ripping out. Whereas I feel like with LeBron, and I've always felt this way, uh, at least especially in the last maybe 10 or so years, that his goal is to go out there and try to be that way. And he really doesn't have to. It's almost like he's trying in vain because his talent is definitely there. I'm not going to question that at all. I think he's trying to catch the eye of everybody. And, you know, again, there's not really any need to do that. He just needs to go out there and play his game and be natural. I think that would do him a better service. But at this point, 20 years in the league, 
old habits by heart, right? He's not going to change the way he does things at this point at, at almost 40 years old. No, you're right. Old habits, they're hard. He's not going to change things. He's going to keep doing what he's doing. And and that's the thing. I just think the biggest thing is, is the personality. I feel as if – I do think LeBron wants to win. Don't get me wrong. But I just feel as if Jordan, it was much deeper. And that – it shows in their behavior. And it – and that's the thing, you know, um, as great as LeBron and career he's had, I feel as if, if he had some of that, you know, go get him, win at all costs, he probably would have caught Jordan, if not be tied with him, may have passed him. I really do believe that because really the only one that I feel as if was out of reach for him was his first time in the NBA, when, um, NBA play, finals. I feel as if the first one, when he was playing against the Spurs, a young team against Cape Cleveland, that was just unfair. He was not going to beat that team. He just did not have that team good enough. But oh, I do Tim, feel Duncan, like it, Tim, Tim Duncan and yeah. the Spurs back in those days, I tell you what, that was that was a fun team to watch. Uh, they they were they were in my opinion, and I watched Spurs a lot in the early two thousands, mid two thousands, uh, and up until uh, what two thousand nine or two thousand ten. Um, not 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 as fun, of course, as the '90s Bulls, but they were very very close. It was a shorter stint, but they had some real talent there in San Antonio. That was a really fun team to watch for for a long time. You go back to the David Robinson days uh, as well. Um, and T- Tim Duncan, I tell you what, probably one of the more, un- in my opinion, underrated players in NBA history. Just a lot of fun to watch him play. I actually really miss him playing, to be quite honest with you. He was certainly a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, he was, and and that's the thing. I give I'll give him a slide on that that finals. There's usually there might be one other I will throw in there, but outside of that, you know, he should have beat the Dallas Mavericks. You know, yeah. he didn't he, he didn't he didn't show up. There was a few other series that that kind of reared his ugly head. But LeBron is still going to be definitely you know he has nothing to feel bad about. However, these the you know missing dunks and stuff like that. It's not a good look, and I'm not confident they're going to get out of the series. As as I do feel as if this was a winnable series for them to sneak on by, but I don't feel as if that's the case now. I feel as if you cannot give away games in the, in the playoffs. You cannot because they come back to bite you. And unless you're the much better team, and I don't feel that's the case here, I just feel as if it's it's not going to be a good thing for them. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. And- you know, give away a game during the regular season is one thing. When you're playing in the playoffs, those other teams are just as qualified to be there as you are. It's the teams who take advantage of those extra opportunities that end up usually winning. So when you give those extra opportunities away for free, it's almost every single time going to come back to bite you in the backside. And that has uh, unfortunately happened to the Lakers here uh, this time around as they're down 0-2 in the series uh, currently. So we'll keep an eye on that. I uh, wanted to get your a quick thought, Peter, on uh, Doc Rivers uh, getting dismissed as head coach. Uh, what are your thoughts there? I was a bit surprised. You know, the thing about Doc Rivers is – let me just um... – No, you got caught with a cell phone there, Alan. <laughs> no, that's a home phone. <laughs> but uh-oh, uh-oh. yeah, yeah, you know, that's – sorry about that, folks. But what ended up happening is – um. I was a little surprised that that he got he got let go. 
I do think Doc Rivers is a very good coach. I know he'll get another opportunity, but it is always surprising when you see a, a veteran coach as good as Doc Rivers. I, I'm a bit surprised on that. What are your thoughts on it? It happened so quickly. He hadn't been there, I don't think, more than, what, two years. Um, it seems to be a trend in the NBA now is guys get, getting having a job for two years, maybe three years at the most, and suddenly – they wipe the slate clean and start over somewhere new. It just seems like there's not a whole lot of patience and ownership and, and upper management uh, here recently. It's changed a lot. Uh, seems like in the last 20 years or so, probably more recent than that, but it just seems like it's a quick, you have one bad year, even one bad playoff series and your, your season's over and suddenly you get a pink slip and you're done. So we'll follow along. I definitely believe uh, Doc Rivers will get a coaching chance again if he wants one, certainly. Um, I think he's, he's qualified himself to be uh, at least in the running for future head coaching jobs. So we'll keep an eye on how that goes, and we'll talk more NBA playoffs in uh, in the coming weeks here as we get closer to the finals and, of course, uh, beyond here in 2023. So as I mentioned earlier, I kind of teased this a little bit, uh, a little bit of off-the-field uh, sports news, but it's about sports uh, in general. So it's kind of a cool topic here. 2024, so we're about a year away from this, NCAA football is going to return to both the PlayStation and the Xbox platform. Now, Alan, I'm not sure if you've ever played any of the NCAA football games by EA Sports. Um, It's been about a decade since they ceased to make the games because of the uh, likeness of, of players. Of course, now we have the name, image, and likeness deal that the NCAA has put out there. This game is in my opinion, and I played it before, I played it probably 20 years ago up until it stopped being uh, produced a, a decade or so back. Played it very passionately. It's a very fun game. I know a lot of people like to play Madden, and it's built on the same engine as Madden is built on, but obviously with all the schools, all the mascots, all the fight songs, all of the different likenesses and things of that nature. Um, I, for one, I'm telling you right now, I am really looking forward to this a year or so from now coming out. It's been such a long time since it was out there. Got to get your thoughts on it first. What are your thoughts on them bringing back NCAA college football to both the PlayStation and Xbox platforms? I think that's awesome. I really do think that it's it's really nice that they're doing that. You know, what ends up happening with the the Madden brand is that it's always something that's really, really cool. And it's really nice that they're coming back with something that's realistic, where that it's going to mirror something with the Madden, the output of the Madden. And it's it's something that I'm excited to see. What are your thoughts? Well, and and I'll say this, you know, I played Madden since the early 90s, so practically 30 years. And I think people are kind of back and forth on this. The thing about the Madden series has become, it's kind of hit a roadblock in that, you look at the game this past year, I guess it'd be Madden 23, and you go and play Madden 22, the previous year's version, and there's not a big difference in the in the two. It's the same game engine. It's the same – there might be a few minor tweaks here and there, but you're paying all this money, 60 70 bucks or more, for a game. It's essentially the same game as it was the year before. So uh, the, the college game is a lot different. Obviously – we can talk about this both from an on-the-field actual 
actual real football perspective or a video game perspective. And what I liked about this so much was, you know, you play Madden, you're going into the off season, you have a draft, you have free agents, you can sign, you can trade players and cut players and all that kind of stuff. You have a salary cap you got to work against and this, that, and the other. Whereas with the NCAA game, I like the intrigue of you have guys coming to visit your campus and you have um, recruiting that you have to do. Now they're going to incorporate all these years later, since the game has really changed in the last 10 years, you're going to have guys that are going to try to transfer to other schools and go into the transfer portal. And you get guys who are going to, they're going to want to have an NIL deal. Um, it's going to be really fun. I, I'm really looking forward to it. I don't have a PS5 yet. Between now and next year, I certainly plan to purchase one. And um, this is going to be, this is going to be a game I'm going to be playing quite a bit. In fact, uh, you know, I can envision myself in the fall of next year, right before our show starts and right after it ends, turning right around at my desk and playing it. So <laughs> um, definitely looking forward to, uh, to this happening right about a year from, I think it's supposed to be July of next year that it comes out. They're still putting it together now, still finalizing all the details. It was actually originally supposed to come out this year. They had to move it back just because of timing, time frame issues and, and contractual uh, issues they had to work out. But EA Sports is going to, again, be the, uh, the uh, company that's going to put it out there. And it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's a very fun game. Anybody who's played it uh, on any of the platforms it's been on in the past knows pretty much what I'm talking about on that side of things. So, Yeah, I do have the PS5. My son plays Madden 23 all the time. I mean, all the time. And it's just it's amazing how, you know, may John Madden rest in peace how this game has been really cool as a kid and has evolved even cooler and cooler and cooler. And it's just amazing the stuff that they have in here. They do have in Madden where you could do some recruiting, but it seemed like it's, it's going to be at another level. I know you love watching college football, so this is going to be even better for you. And it's going to be exciting. The PS5 is amazing. Props to Sloney for coming out with another fantastic product and we was lucky enough to get the ps5 we really love it my son has already been talking about you know definitely madden 24 but i will say this much the only knock i would say and i'm glad it i will say this publicly is that i believe the ea sports does need to go ahead and not just base players on name i feel as if a lot of the rankings or ratings are off in a lot of cases. I could talk more about that another time. But other than that, there's guys who I believe are rated low that should be rated high. And there's guys who I feel are rated high that should be rated low, in all fairness. It's not just, hey, this guy should be high, this guy should be high. I think, I think I've seen both of that. And I'm excited about NCAA football. I know my son will love it. I know you definitely will love it too, Aaron. Yeah, looking forward to that. And, of course, uh, when that comes out a year or so from now, uh, we'll try to get some uh, some maybe feedback on uh, other people who are playing the game. I'll certainly have tested it out myself plenty by then and uh, give my reviews on it as well uh, in, uh, in 2024. So we're a year or so away. That'll be something to kind of look forward to here on the program. So, um Another topic tonight, uh, kind of briefly going to hit on this, and that's the uh, the sticky substance and the ejections, of course. Uh, 
obviously this has been a, a topic of debate for the last year or so now. Uh, we saw another one, of course, this week. Uh, uh, pitcher for the Yankees, of course. So your Yankees uh, had a, a pitcher that got ejected and suspended for 10 games. Uh, what are your thoughts on what happened there? You know what? I, I'm starting to now get annoyed by it. It's not just that it's just the Yankees. It's happening a little too frequently. I just feel as if, okay, one of the things that I feel about baseball is that if the batters are allowed to use pine tar, the pitcher is allowed to use rosin. And yes, you know, sometimes your hand gets sweaty. It gets sticky when you're sweating. I really think it's a good thing for the pitcher to have a better grip on the ball to reduce injuries. You don't want a fastball coming at your head. The good thing is that now you can have that mouth guard that goes across your face, which if I was hitting at this day and age, I probably would have like that Aaron judge type helmet. And I just feel as if, Hey, sometimes you just got to let things go. I I feel as if it's becoming a little too nitpicky. There isn't really any clear cut rules on this thing. It's hard to, it's starting to become something that pops up every day. Okay. Is this guy cheating? I feel as if if it's a, a misunderstanding between the the umpires and the pitcher gone bad. I really don't think all these pitchers are trying to cheat. I think they want to hold well, on to the ball and get a good grip. Yeah, and especially given that they know between every single inning walking off the mound, they're going to get checked every single time. So there's not any incentive to cheat. They know that the opportunity or the risk is there for them to get caught. I'll tell you what I personally feel like this is. Um, I'm a big fan of, you know, black or white as far as, you know, which side is it. So what's happened here is this is a ginormous gray area where you don't have any real clearly defined rules. It's not black and white as as the rule book should be. Um, It's not you, this was right and this was wrong. it's, It's really subject to interpretation by the umpire. And, you know, you go back to what happened with Max Scherzer a month or so ago. I still defend – you know, I'm not a Mets fan. I obviously don't want to see the Mets succeed, but I'm, I'm going to defend the guy if I feel like he's in the right, and I feel like Max Scherzer didn't do anything wrong either. So I, I feel like they really need to – and it's surprising to me a year after they in, implemented this rule that they haven't come up with a more clear, smart way to make sure that everybody's on the same page because I feel like right now everybody's in a decent book. Um, but that's my gripe with Major League Baseball. I think that they, they put out these rules, and to somewhat degree, it's still kind of the same thing with the whole, like, you know, uh, the, 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 the pitch clock. You know, we saw guys were getting a, a strike called on them earlier in the season for going to a ballpark they used to play at and getting a standing ovation. They got called a strike on them. I think that's ridiculous. So kind of the same thing. What, like, what, where, how, how, how close are we going to follow whatever this rule is? And then is it the interpretation of the umpire? Or are they actually following the rule as it was implemented and intended to be? And I just feel like this thing with the, the substance is certainly bad. I, to me, you know, we've seen this happen before. You go back uh, 15 years or so ago where you had guys that were, uh, you know, clearly putting sunscreen on their arms and then dabbing their fingers on that with pine tar and some clay mixed in. That is over the top, in my opinion. If you're sitting there touching your forearm or your your uh, your elbow area on your other hand, uh, other arm rather, your non-throwing arm, prior to making a pitch while you're on the mound, uh, you know that certainly is questionable at, at, at best. 
and should be investigated, but not not to have. Oh, he had too much pine tar in his, or sorry, too much uh, rosin rather on his hands, uh, and he had some clay mixed in, and we're going to throw guys out for that. I I find this to be over the top, and at some point you got to let these guys play baseball for crying out loud. Nope, nobody. I'm sorry, nobody gives a crap about going to a ball game and seeing an umpire. I've never seen Topps, Upper Deck, Don Russ, or any of these other baseball card manufacturers make umpire baseball cards. You, you don't see. Uh, you just don't see it. Um, nobody goes to the game to see Angel Hernandez uh, umpire a ball game or Joe West umpire a ball game. Yeah, they're they're big names. They're celebrities because they've been in the league for a long time, and you know, obviously, they've made some good calls and some bad calls. But nobody goes there, Allen, to see those guys play or to see those guys uh, umpire a game. They're there to see, you know, the players play. So I think that these rules have become almost bigger than the game itself. And I, it, it, I just, I find it very it's detrimental to the game in my opinion. No, I agree. I just think it's, it's something that's a great area. And to your point that just went out of hand There's no clear cut a or B. I think this is just a major gray area misunderstanding on both sides. And it's just, it's gotten now to the point where it's gotten very annoying. Like, okay, we already know when you start checking someone's hand where this is good, where this is headed. You're going to throw him out, and he's going to be suspended. I mean, why don't you just say that from the get-go? I just think, I just think it's just a waste of people's time, this whole thing. It's gotten out of hand. It's gotten real ugly to the point where now you don't know what to believe. You really yeah. don't. I mean, it's one thing that, you know, performance-enhancing drugs, that was clear. This is just a shade of gray that's just gotten bad. And to your point, you're right. Fans pay money to go see top-performing players. They don't pay money for a guy to get thrown out in the second or third inning and because he got too much sticky stuff on their hands. They just don't. And I just find that it's, it's annoying. And I feel as if you get thrown out, you get a guy suspended, it can affect, you can affect your season. It happens too often. You know, Yankees are actually on a roll a little bit. They've actually cut the deficit down to about seven games. They're not in last place anymore. When we talked about this last week, they were looking a lot worse. Now where they're at, they're actually making good strides where they they can go ahead and get the Rays. Before, it looked like they were just going to run away with the league, the Rays, but now they, they're looking good. And you get guys thrown out and ejected for gray areas. I just think it's it's buffoonery at its highest. 100% agree with you on that, Alan. That is a, a very, very good point there for sure. So so that's our take on uh, some of the Major League Baseball stuff going on. Uh, I know you wanted to give your analysis as well on, uh, on the fight schedule this weekend. Uh, tell us a little bit about your thoughts there on the big fight. Yeah, thank you, Aaron. I appreciate that. And we have a big fight coming up, Devin Haney versus Vasily Lomachenko fight. And that's a big fight because Vasily has, Lomachenko has a a very good resume. He's a little bit older, and Devin is a a younger guy who is bigger than Vasily Lomachenko. Vasily Lomachenko does have a lot of skills, but this goes back to what we talked about earlier about being cocky. I feel as if in today's weigh-in, Devin pushed Vasily Lomachenko, which was not, it was, not called for. It was unnecessary. 
and now you've given your opponent, who I felt Devin was going to probably beat, you've given your opponent a lot of motivation now to beat you because you pushed him in the press conference, which was unwarranted. You were flat out wrong. Now you're not going to kind of sneak by him with a win. He's going to give you his best effort. And I feel as if before you pushed him, Devin Haney was probably going to win this fight. Now I think Devin Haney might win the fight. And if he does win this fight, it's going to be a very, very, very close fight against Vasily Lomachenko. I think Devin Haney is going to be humbled a bit in this fight. I think Vasily is going to give him all he can handle. And I would not be surprised if Vasily Lomachenko won this fight. I don't think Vasily will win just because I do feel as if the size is going to make a difference, the height. But I do feel as if Devin made his, his job a lot harder. You gotta control yourself. You gotta be humble. Never give your opponent more motivation to beat you, even if you're better than them. Just why would you make your job harder? That's like me saying, okay, I'm gonna work out and do cut the grass, but instead of cutting the grass when the sun's down, I'm gonna cut it in the middle of the day when it's hot as heck, and I'm gonna make sure that I have no water around for me. I just made my job a lot harder. Can I still do it? Yes, but now you're going to be making it a lot harder for yourself. That's what Devin did. I think Devin wins this fight in a very close fight. He does not dominate like he said he was going to. I think it's going to be a very close win. If anything, he might get the win because he has the belts. I believe when you're the champion, it has to be clear and concise that you lost the fight in order for you to really lose your belts. But Devin Haney, I think he's going to get a wake-up call and get humbled on this fight. So I do still think he's got the chance to win, Devin, but it's going to be a very close fight. There was another fight that I did not put on there. Props to definitely, I want to give major, major props to Nico Ali Walsh, the grandson of Muhammad Ali. He's got a fight coming up tomorrow. He responded to my comment on Instagram. Props him for doing that. I wish him luck. I do believe Nico Ali Walsh will add to the resume and get another win tomorrow. And that should be awesome. I, it's a great weekend of fights because you got a very good fight against Devin Haney and Vasily Lomachenko. And you got Nico, Nico Ali Walsh, who, who I took a picture with, to the boxing fans. That is Now that uh, the XFL season is over, summer is coming along. I did want to let the fans know that starting in June, the Allen and Aaron Sports Radio Show will try to get involved a little bit more with Major League Baseball, show, you know, showing up to cover a game and games, I should say, with an S. And also, I'll try to mix in some boxing too. So we haven't forgotten about you guys, who are boxing fans and Major League Baseball fans, for us to cover. And speaking of that, Aaron, how do you think we would do covering a baseball game? I think we do just great. Um, you know, obviously we've uh, been able to cover NASCAR here this year and, uh, of course, have that interview with Steve Spurrier. And so, uh, obviously, your uh, connection there with the XFL, I think we would do great with Major League Baseball. I think we'd, uh, we'd blend right in and, and do a great job. So, Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, are you – with current baseball, are you, is it something that gets a little overwhelming because there is a little bit more guys on a team? You know, you got 24 guys. You got the – you, everybody, what I've learned from covering the XFL is that everybody is important. You got to know a little bit about everybody. 
are you nervous with the amount of people that you need to know? No, because I'm, I'm around the game enough, uh, you know, as a fan and just having grown up and, and paying as close attention as I have that it would, I'd feel right at home. I, I'd be perfectly fine. I think it'd be, uh, like a second home to me basically. So, and I just want to throw this out there too. I'm actually going to be attending some games here in June. I'll be in Atlanta on June 11th, uh, Braves and the Nationals. Uh, then I'll be in uh, Baltimore on June June 15th. That's uh, Toronto playing Baltimore. And then the very next day, I'll be in Washington, D.C. as the Marlins play against the Nationals at Nationals Park. So I'm going to have a lot of good content and uh, a, lot of, a lot of good pictures really to put up uh, of each of those three parks that we're going to be visiting. Oh, that's awesome. We can't wait to see that. And yeah, I agree with you. I think our show is going to do fantastic when we do get the opportunity to cover a major league baseball game. I'm excited about it. And we're going to make sure we do just like those other venues, do a great job for the league and our show and make sure we do a fantastic job for that. And you're right. We're going to do it big. And so the fans know sometime in June, I'm going to be also putting in a multiple requests to go to, ma- to some major league baseball games. It'd be great because now not only is the XFL season over, but more importantly, the kids will be out of school. So I'll be able to go spend more time at the ballpark to cover a game. Yeah, no, it's always a good time when school is out uh, there for sure. So, and uh, just a reminder too, of course, uh, next weekend is uh, Memorial day weekend. As we talked about kind of at the top of the show, uh, Memorial Day weekend, obviously, is a great time to have a cookout. If you like to barbecue, grill up some good food, and uh, keep our good buddy Chef G in mind when you're doing that because his delicious Florida barbecue sauce is one of those things that you can't go without if you're grilling out here next weekend. So check out his barbecue sauce. Uh, Alan, uh, go ahead with the website again for his uh, great barbecue sauce there. Yes, that's right. It's fantastic barbecue sauce. He was featured on the news recently, too. Congratulations, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce for that. And you can pick up a four-pack plus the Florida Sand or the Rub as well. That's the two new products he has. You can get those all at flbbqsauce.com. And it's flbbqsauce.com. Our great sponsor, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. He has the Florida Sand, and the he also has the Red Brick, too. And they're both delicious. The seasoning, as well as the four flavors of barbecue sauce. Like you said, if you need to get something great done for Memorial Day weekend, he's got it all there at flbbqsauce.com. All right. Again, that's uh, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. So delicious and addicting you may need a support group. I want to thank uh, Lou for coming on the program right at the top of the, uh, the, top of the show here tonight. And, of course, uh, Alan for being uh, a part of this as well. For Alan, this is Aaron. I'm signing off here for us this evening. Have a great week, everybody.
you for listening to the Evan Aaron's Full Stars Podcast. Subscribe and check out us on your favorite social media platform. Thank you.